The year is 1863. The French Empire has just signed the Treaty of Hue with Vietnam, while simultaneously engaging in the Expedition du Mexique, the second French intervention in Mexico. It has been just over 40 years since Napoleon died, and the French people are experiencing a period of modernization and economic growth under the somewhat controversial leadership of Napoleon III. It has been 15 years since slavery was completely abolished, and it will be almost a century before women gain the right to vote. In a small studio in Paris, with the ever-present sounds of urban expansion clamoring outside, an unlikely painter puts brush to canvas and begins creating a work of art that will outrage French society. Welcome to Afternoon Tea. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lockerbie, and today we will be talking about Edouard Manet, who many refer to as the father of Impressionism, and his painting Olympia, which defied the conventional expression of woman in art and continues to stand as a symbol of the inherent power of femininity even today. I'm excited to introduce a guest speaker, Buffy Martin Tarbox, who is an historian with several intriguing insights about this work of art. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a bit about your background? My name is Buffy Mm Martin-Tarbox, and I actually have a Bachelor of Arts in Art History and then a Master in um, English History, English Medieval History in particular, but I've always loved art, particularly paintings. Thanks again for joining us today. Let's get right into it. So, Manet, painter in the 1860s and beyond in France, um, pretty interesting guy. What can you tell me about who he is and what he did as a painter? You know, Manet often gets overshadowed by the more famous Monet, even though they were contemporaries and they were actually very, very close friends. And Manet came from an extremely privileged background. His mother actually was goddaughter to one of the crown princes of Sweden at the time. So he came from an extremely well-connected and well-heeled family. It took years for Manet to convince his family that art was a worthwhile pursuit. But once he began painting in earnest, he was able to develop a technique that revolutionized the art world. He created Impressionism, described by the Met Museum as having an unfinished, sketch-like appearance that rejects established styles, incorporates new technology and ideas, and depicts modern life. He wanted to do something that was real. And that was quite shocking at the time, especially for someone of his social standing. And that is exactly what he achieved with what is perhaps his most famous work, Olympia. On a massive four-foot-by-six-foot canvas, Manet used oil-based paint to paint a life-size woman reclining nude against a satin-covered couch in a richly-hued room. Her pale skin is barely darker than the upholstery, and the athletic lines of her body are highlighted by the slightly rigid way she holds herself. All of this is secondary to her gaze, which unapologetically captures the eye of the viewer. What you're seeing is, many people would describe her as a prostitute. I think she's a little beyond that because when you look at the opulence of what she's surrounded by, this isn't just your common prostitute. This is more than likely someone who's being represented as a courtesan. We know that courtesans um, were still operating. They're probably still operating in contemporary times. Mostly. You know, they were operating certainly in, in uh, Paris and in France. And they were highly celebrated people. I want to point out the actual model for this painting was an artist herself. She was. Her name was Victorine Marat. She was well known within society. She was the daughter of artists. She was a middle, came from a middle class background. We just kind of look at and we see it as someone who's nude, but it, there's something so much deeper than that because the controversy was never about the nudity of the model.
Manet left no room for doubt about Olympia's chosen profession. The embroidered silk cloth underneath her, the expensive mule slippers on her feet, the gold bracelet on her wrist, and the delicate black ribbon worn on her neck all indicate her wealth and highlight her nudity. Her upswept hair, the pink orchid she wears in her hair, the alert black cat at the foot of her bed, and the full bouquet of flowers her maid holds are all recognized symbols of sexuality for the time. Even her name was a common nom de plume for courtesans of the time. Each of these chosen elements was intended to provoke a reaction by forcing the viewer to acknowledge that she was both successful and unashamed of her lifestyle. But what about the maid? We always focus so much on the Olympia in this painting, but there's really two women in this painting. And this other woman is, is hugely significant and hugely important as well to the painting, although she's often not, not really paid that much attention to because Olympia is so arresting and of course your eyes just automatically go there. This woman actually who posed with Victorine was her friend. Now we don't know if she was an artist or not, but she was a friend of the model. This painting also took place 15 years after slavery was abolished in France, so everybody knew what they were looking at. This wasn't a slave, this was a maid. Some critics state that the maid in this painting is an unintended symbol of oppression. They point to the way she leans slightly across Olympia's legs instead of standing tall, and how her gaze does not look out at the viewer, but rather towards Olympia herself. I've never, when I look at the face of her maid, I've never seen her as submissive. I've always seen her as almost conspiratorial. That sideways gaze. Yes, and there's almost a little smile as she's presenting this beautiful bouquet of flowers as if to say, Oh gosh, another admirer, you know, is trying to vie for your attention. What shall we do with this bouquet? Maybe next time he'll be dripping in pearls and emeralds. You know, it's like, she doesn't seem all that impressed with, with the bouquet. And what's also interesting is the maid is taller in this particular perspective. I'm certainly not dominant by any means, but I do see that there's a balance between the two of them. And I see it as conspiratorial in, in their way of life. Manet himself said that Olympia was inspired by Titian's famous work, Venus de Urbino. This large canvas depicts an artistic vision of woman as soft, angelic, and demure. So typically, when you look at the famous classical works of art, that it's oil, very rich, very opulent. It's like a painting that you can sink your teeth into, that you can, like, dive into. Painted with oil on canvas in 1538, this almost life-size piece shows a young bride-to-be reclining naked on a bed with crumpled sheets, her gaze gentle and her skin glowing. Everything about this woman is soft and welcoming, and her nudity, while highlighting the curves of her body, does not detract from her innocent nature at all. Where you would see beautiful, you know, luscious, again, that beautiful rich oil painting, you know, beautiful hair like cascading down. but demure and submissive. There's a sexuality there and certainly an eroticism there, but it's, it's meant for the male gaze. Titian's work was largely commissioned by Italian nobles during the 1500s. 
His art was considered revolutionary, but not because he was painting controversial subject matter. In fact, a great portion of his work is devoted to portraits of the Italian aristocracy, religious figures like the Virgin Mary, or the old Roman gods. Instead, it was admired for its richness and beauty, and its dedication to the ideals of the Renaissance period. Every aspect of this painting speaks to this ideal. The lighting, the woman's flowing hair, her demure effort to cover her nudity. Even the dog curled asleep at the foot of her couch is a hunting dog, a symbol of masculinity washing over her. Titian was careful to put everything in its proper place. Venus sits alone at the forefront, with her small dog guardian nearby, and her two maids, unimportant in this work, are in the far back corner, facing away from the viewer as they gather Venus de Urbino's clothing. With Venus de Urbino, Titian created the perfect Renaissance woman. And this is where Manet was being accused of mocking classical art, because he took a lot of the similar elements to Titian's Venus, and he put them here, he just did them in a very different way. Yeah, and let's get into that a little bit, actually, because as someone from this age, looking at these two paintings side by side, mm -hmm. Olympia and Venus de Urbino, I mean, you you kind of just say, okay, there's a slightly different painting style, clearly, but right. they're both just two nude women on a couch. What's the big deal? Well, I mean, looking at contemporary times where we're used to um, we're used to nudity, grew up in a time of you know visual pornography, either you know through magazines or on the internet, advertising, you know, advertising certainly, even mm -hmm. if it's even if there's not full nudity, we're used to um, to the concept of the male gaze being thrown back at us on many levels. Olympia does not offer anything for the male gaze. She is strongly independent and proud of it. Her ownership of her life and the freedom that she and her maid achieved through what should be a shameful profession is what made this painting so controversial at the time. But what to me this scene stands for is these two women have created a life for themselves completely independent of men and marriage. Today, she continues to be a symbol of the inherent power of women. She's not printed as a Greek goddess or as Mother Mary or something. She's painted as herself. Olympia shows us that we are not less than men. We do not exist for men. We do not have to be ashamed of our bodies or our choices. We are people, ordinary and extraordinary, all at once. I hope you enjoyed your afternoon tea break. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.